Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. I'm Ken Harbaugh, host of Warriors in Their Own Words. If you love listening to this show as much as I love hosting it, I think you'll really like the Medal of Honor podcast, produced in partnership with the Medal of Honor Museum. Each episode talks about a genuine American hero and the actions that led to their receiving our nation's highest award for valor. They're just a few minutes each, so if you're looking for a show to fill time between these Warriors episodes, I think you'll love the Medal of Honor podcast. Search for the Medal of Honor podcast wherever you get your shows. Thanks. I'm Ken Harbaugh, host of Warriors in Their Own Words. In partnership with The Honor Project, we've brought this podcast back at a time when our nation needs these stories more than ever. Warriors in Their Own Words is our attempt to present an unvarnished, unsanitized truth of what we have asked of those who defend this nation. Thank you for listening, and by doing so, honoring those who have served. Today, we'll hear from shipfitter third class James Wire. In this first part of his interview, Wire describes the chaos of serving on the USS Tennessee during the attack on Pearl Harbor and the Battle of Tarawa. My name is James Wire. My uh, it's spelled J A M E S, then initial R and W I R E. I was on the USS Tennessee at Pearl Harbor on December the 7th, 1941. The number of the ship is uh, BB-43. I woke up at 6 o'clock in the morning, and uh, that was Reveille. I ate breakfast about 7.15, about uh, about 7 50 or thereabouts, I went up to top side, put on whites, uh, working whites, went up top side, and just as I got up to the top of the hatch about uh, 7.55, a plane flew over only about 50 feet high. It was below the bridge, just went over our, our uh, bow. I looked up, and it had red meatballs on the on the uh, wings, so I knew that it wasn't ours. Uh, My general feeling was to dive for cover because I realized that it was was war. There weren't our planes. Usually, 
the planes had stars on them. Uh, that was our planes, and they landed at uh, Ford Island right next to us. We were tied up at Ford Island. They landed there all the time, and sometimes they would come by and they'd drop a, a little a five-pound bag of flour on the ship to, to simulate an attack. And uh, uh, some of the fellows that were on deck, there was, oh, there was about uh, over 100 men up there. But then the, uh, the plane started strafing the wooden decks and the little splinters started walking right across the deck. And uh, they, they, was, uh, they was trying to sh shoot all the men in white. Of course, they was easy to see by the pilots. And uh, they came over so low that that you could see the grin on the on the pilot's face. And of course, we didn't have a gun. Uh, we were unarmed. We were not expecting a war. And about that time, they sounded general quarters, and I heard a, a explosion on the ship next to us, which was the uh, USS West Virginia, and it, it was a torpedo had blown up. And they sounded general quarters. I went immediately to my uh, battle station, which was on the third deck aft by uh, turret three. I arrived at my battle station uh, within a couple of minutes from the time I saw the plane, and everything was locked up. The chief shipfitter in charge asked me to go to the shipfitter shop. He left the keys in the desk. So I ran up there, got the keys, got back to my battle station, and the first bomb landed on the uh, turret two. And shrapnel went right through the shipfitter shop, hit that desk, and tore a hole in the deck right where in front of the desk where I'd been. And then a couple of minutes later, uh, another heavy explosion, a bomb, a 1,900-pound bomb, hit turret three, about 35 feet from where I was. And uh, you could hear the metal against metal, and, of course, the bomb disintegrated. It didn't uh, burn because there was powder all around the turret, and it went right through a four-inch uh, top of the turret, the armor. So uh, it killed uh, five men and wounded about 32 others when it hit. About that time, uh, a little bit later, the Arizona blew up right behind us, about 75 feet behind our stern. It blew up and it lifted my ship about four feet out of the water. Everybody that was standing up in the repair locker, there was about eight of us there, we found ourselves sitting on the steel deck all at once. Uh, our legs were knocked off from under us, and uh, we knew something big had happened. And uh, we had a fire in the storeroom uh, down below, and uh, I put on an apparatus, breathing apparatus, went down and put that fire out as a small fire. And, uh, and the smoke was pretty thick by that time. And our ship was 
on fire and burning. The Arizona blew uh, uh, flaming oil all over our wooden deck, all the the canvas uh, cover that was on the, on top of there, and uh, it set us on fire. And right after that, they asked me to come up and man the hoses. Uh, I was a shipfitter third class, and my duties were uh, firefighting and uh, damage control. So I went aft and uh, uh, manned a two-and-a-half-inch hose uh, with another fellow, and we kept the fire away from our ship as best we could because it's burning fiercely on the water. The oil, I guess, from the Arizona was burning very uh, rapidly, and uh, it burnt the paint off of our, our ship and set us on fire. Uh, I manned the holes until uh, I got relieved. I think I, it was about an hour. And by 10 o'clock, we had to fire out on our ship, and we were picking up uh, uh, swimmers from the Arizona that were in the water. And some of them had their hair burned off. And uh, uh, that was about the, the list of my days. Uh, uh, we fought fire on the uh, West Virginia next to us and put out the flames on their deck. And then uh, we uh, manned the hose for about oh, a couple of hours after that to keep the uh, burning oil away from us. They had uh, uh, motor wheel boats. Uh, pulling the men out of the water, and we pulled a couple of men up on deck that had been burnt, had been swimming in the burning oil, and, and we took the holes and brushed the fire away from them. And as they came up, we had a, a long boat hook, and we pulled a couple up on deck. And uh, we saved uh, uh, practically all the people that were, uh, that were on deck uh, aft of uh, the turret two of Arizona, uh, were saved. It was about 75 feet to the uh, beach, and some of them just di dived over in the water and swam to the beach. Uh, when I was manning the hoses, we pulled a, a couple of men out of the water, and all their hair was gone and burned off because they had come up for air, and uh, the the oil was burning, so it just sensed their hair right off. And uh, I met a friend of mine was on the Arizona, and he was on, on deck, and he got off. And his hair was burned off, and it never grew back. So I saw him later and at another station. I looked, and I saw the Arizona had it broke the back of the Arizona and sank the ship behind us, and the West Virginia was tied up with us, and it sank down to the bottom. And up on the bow, I looked and I saw the uh, Oklahoma was turned upside down. So it uh, it was looked real bad, and it smelled real bad. The burning flesh was all around. It was. One of the worst days of my life. And I knew that we had to fight 
And I, I thank God that I came through alive. I knew we had to fight or uh, die trying to uh, fight this war and, and come back from the damage that we had been done to us. The thing of it is, your adrenaline kicks in, and you 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 can uh, lift heavier weights and man heavier hoses than you could ordinarily. Two men can't hardly hold a two and a half inch hose with uh, uh, the fire pumps going at full blast. But we did it then at Pearl Harbor, and half the time you couldn't see, except you see a little flame now and then and you kept the hoses going because the flames were burning on the water towards your ship. And if they're burning all around the stern of your ship, first you find the flames back, and then you keep them from coming towards you, and the wind was blowing towards us all the time. So we were just fighting and fighting. We had, uh, of course, we had whites on. And the whites we had to throw away after after Pearl Harbor. We had to throw our uniforms away. It was they were so black, covered it with oil and smoke and and so forth that uh, you couldn't even wash them. They were so so dirty and so covered with oil, and uh, everything you touch was black with soot and so forth. If you got near the rail or to go back and fight the fires, everything you touched was black and oily and smelled bad. All the uh, bodies were burning and and it's indescribable, really. It's so horrible that you put it out of your mind. Afterwards, if you don't, why you'd wind up going over the edge. So actually, your, your rage saves you in a battle. You get so pent up and your adrenaline kicks in, I guess they call it, that you fight. Well, it's a battle to the death. And they were machine gunning us while we were manning the hoses. We just hoped that they didn't hit, hit us. And they fired, they hit the deck behind us. We could see the splinters coming up behind us. But uh, we kept fighting the fire. And we saved the Tennessee by putting the fire out. But I think it's close to a one-third burned of the ship. My first thought was, uh, well, this looked like the end of the world. It looked like that. The Japanese had caught us napping, and uh, it looked really bad because uh, they were shooting at us, and we were sitting still, and it's easy to hit a target that's not moving. So uh, they had a, a field day there. They just uh, bombed and, uh, and strafed. They were strafing anybody that go on topside, uh, by that time, uh, they had the machine guns going uh, from the uh, aftermast, and uh, we had a five-inch gun. Well, they manned them about five minutes within 
when in 805, we were, we were firing at planes and we knocked down uh, several planes and had an assist because several ships fired the same plane and blew them apart. Uh, I understand there's 29 planes destroyed that day that we we helped knock down. I know that we got five planes, and uh, we helped assisted several more planes we knocked down. And uh, the second wave that came over were uh, horizontal bombers. They were uh, about 10,000 feet. And we had five-inch, uh, uh, twenty-five caliber guns going. By that time, we fired so many shells that it burnt the paint off of our five-inch uh, anti-aircraft guns. Uh, firing at those planes, they dropped their bombs. A lot of them went in the water, and uh, the Japanese turned around and ran uh, as quick as they dropped their bombs. They ran away. Uh, the second wave burned as accurate as the first wave. They caught us by surprise. By the second wave, we had uh, ammunition lockers. We had busted the locks because the uh, the uh, keys were, were uh, somewhere. The gunnery officer had the keys, and he was ashore. So uh, they uh, knocked the uh, locks off, and... Uh, opened the ammunition uh, lockers that way, and they were manned and ready. By the time the second wave came, around 10 o'clock, it might have been five minutes to 10, but it's around 10 o'clock. It's uh, about two hours later, and I understand they, they had uh, 183 planes or something of that sort around there. So the sky was full of planes. Uh, when I went up to man the uh, hoses, they were still strafing and, and bombing the uh, dry dock. At that time, they blew up the uh, USS Ward. I saw the explosion go up real big. The uh, fire from the Arizona turned into black smoke. I think the oil... I uh, busted the oil tanks, and the oil tanks was burning. The ammunition had set fire to the oil, and everything was burning, and I couldn't see anything at, at times. I had to wait for the wind to shift, and uh, I got covered with soot uh, fighting that fire from the fantail. But I wasn't the only hose there. They had about four hoses four two-and-a-half-inch hoses. We had the, the fire pumps going at full blast, and they were very uh, hard to hold, uh, two-and-a-half-inch. I was on the nozzle, and it was, it was hard to hold. It was trying to whip you around. All we saw was the Japanese planes. The air was full of them. Uh, you figure that uh, over 100 planes attacked at Pearl Harbor. And then uh, they had, hundred I think, 189 planes in the first wave. And, and, and uh, they sent uh, uh, about a dozen planes to Hickam Field to bomb the rows of bombers that were in rows. So they just went up and down the rows. Uh, 
and and uh, uh, set those planes on fire and destroyed most of them. And uh, also, uh, the B-17s were coming in, and the radar men mistook the Japanese for that B-17s. They thought it was a it was a flock of B-17s were coming in to land at Hickam Field. So the officer said, well, forget about it. But, of course, it was the Japanese coming in. And uh, that was one of their big mistakes. They, they had them on radar, and they, they should have warned everybody. But the officer said that we're expecting the B-17s and the B-17s arrived, and they were still bombing and strafing uh, the airfield. And they shot some of the B-17s down, and they managed to land all the B-17s. But uh, some of them were destroyed on the ground after they landed. And they, they didn't have any—they had guns, but they didn't have any ammunition to fire back at the Japanese. So they were handicapped in that way. I had a, a, a hatred or, or a temper. My temper flared when I thought that they'd attacked there. And then looking at all the dead bodies and so forth floating around the ship, they were picking up bodies for about two days. I was angry. And I wondered why the officers didn't warn us, why they didn't tell us about uh, they had sunk a submarine that early that morning, and they, that should have kept the officers off, and it, they should have told us to be ready instead of letting us uh, go until 8 o'clock. And, and some of the band was back after, ready to raise a flag, they went ahead and raised the flag, and then they ducked for cover because they were being strafed by Japanese planes. So it was a real shock, and it was it was very miserable at that time. And the crew of the West Virginia came over. Some of them came over on the lines that were tied up to our ship, to Tennessee. Some of them uh, crawled over on the lines, and uh, we fed them. We fed all that, that came aboard because they had lost all their belongings, all their clothes. And I gave them one man my blanket because he didn't have a, a mattress or a blanket to sleep in, and they were sleeping on deck and so forth for a couple of days uh, after the attack. Some of the men were, were affected worse than others. Uh, like one quartermaster went over the edge, and they had to take him down to the brig and lock him up because uh, he had uh, what you call the shell shock because he was on the bridge and saw the, uh, the bomb hit the center gun on uh, turret uh, two, that was right above the ship better shop. And this bomb uh, blew up, and it killed the uh, captain of the West 
Virginia, Captain uh, uh, Benyon or something like that. It's a, the captain of the West Virginia was killed by the bomb that hit our center gun. We had uh, some 14-inch guns. We had three 14-inch guns in turret three. It hit the center gun right at the turret, and it broke into pieces. Shrapnel went down through uh, the wooden deck and and uh, down in the shipbuilder shop. I was right down on the second deck, and and it uh, shrapnel big pieces as as big as about as big as your head went down through the uh, wooden deck just like paper. Just of course the bomb was a. Uh, uh, 1,900 pounds, armor-piercing bomb. I cleaned up after the bomb because I I was in the uh, cleanup squad. I had to pick up the pieces of the bomb and so forth and also the pieces of men and so forth that, like some of them were little pieces. And the bomb was three inches thick and just had a small powder charge in, in it in the middle, but it was armor piercing. And uh, those were actually uh, shells. It was made, they were made by Britain by, uh, and sold as scrap to Japan for, for scrap iron. They had HM, uh, uh, UK and so forth on uh, they were sold as scrap, to, and we sold the scrap that made those aircraft carriers that Japan used, those six aircraft carriers. I found out later they sunk four of them at the Battle of Midway. Those same four uh, carriers that had bombed Pearl Harbor were sunk in that big Battle of Midway. So we got even with them there. I thought that the Japanese would probably have troop ships to invade after they knocked out the uh, airfields. And uh, we heard uh, over the radio that the Hickam Field was being attacked and all the airfields on the island of Oahu was being attacked at the same time. And uh, we figured that the, the Japanese would probably follow up with troop ships so uh, we, we were on our guard. Uh, the trouble is, we were kind of trigger happy that night. All the anti-aircraft guns were manned, and here uh, five planes came in from the carrier, but we didn't get the word, so we fire, started firing at them. And uh, somehow, we fired about five rounds at them, and uh, we knocked down one or two of our own planes, but uh, somehow they they didn't tell us that it was. That, uh, we thought it was a, a, a night attack, and uh, all, by that time all the lights were were off. We maintained a, a darkened ship throughout that night, and uh, they got finally got the word that they were our planes coming in to land. And when they, they landed, the carrier sent more planes in. They, they were on their way. Uh, they knew they'd been attacked at Pearl Harbor, 
And uh, they should have had some kind of a signal so that we wouldn't open fire on them. It was just a mistake. It was like friendly fire, but we knocked down several of our own planes. And uh, we were at general quarters all that night. We were watching for the Japanese to come back. We were ready for them. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. My ship was so severely damaged that they took uh, part of the crew off of the Tennessee at Bremerton, Washington, uh, sent them to the Maryland, which was in San Francisco. And on the Maryland, I uh, was in the invasion of Tarawa. We had the Marine Detachment on there was around 150 men. And they loaded them all into the boats after we had bombarded uh, Tarawa for uh, about two days. We bombed, uh, we uh, shelled Tarawa, and we thought we had knocked uh, most of the guns out. But uh, we la launched the Marines uh, when in the invasion force, and also they had some army troop ships. Well. And H.M. Uh, Smith, uh, the Marine General, was on the Maryland where, where I was. And they sent the Marines over, sent 150 over, and the boats bought back about 75 wounded and killed. And 75 of them got, got after the Japanese were killed or, or surrendered. I understand there was over 3,000 Japanese on that island to defend it, and 60-some-odd uh, 60, 60 surrendered. The rest of them fought to the death. They had to burn some of them out of the caves and so forth. But it was uh, our, our planes went over and spotted uh, for our guns. And when the planes came back, they landed real quick, we p took them aboard ship because they were starting to sink. They had, uh, the Japanese had put the holes through the pontoons on our seaplanes, and uh, they were almost sinking by the time we got the hook 
and pulled them out of the water. We patched them up real quick, and, the, and within a couple of hours, they were back spotting again. And they did that a couple of, three times that day. They'd go over and get full of holes. they shoot at the pontoons, were the largest. Luckily, they didn't kill any of the pilots or down any of our planes. We had two planes spotting for us on the uh, Maryland. I watched them go in uh, from the deck, and I had some the field glasses. We were allowed to go up on the bridge because I'd stood bridge watches too. I looked at them through the glasses, and the landing uh, ships, LSTs and so forth, they were landing quite a ways out, and I wondered why they didn't go into the beach. And then I understood later they ran onto some coral uh, reefs, and they had to wade for about uh, 100 yards, about 300 feet, into the beach, and the Japanese were manning machine guns, and the Marines would kill the gunners, and another Japanese would get there and man the guns. They knocked, uh, 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 one Marine said, they knocked six men off of one Japanese machine gun, and he brought it back and showed us. The machine gun was about six feet long, and it had air cool, and the air fins were grazed by bullets aimed at the fellow behind, and they killed six gunners off of that same machine gun before they could capture it. They were that desperate. The Japanese were very desperate to hold Tarawa. The Marines were firing, and uh, we were firing so much that they had a row of palm trees on the beach, and all those palm trees were just stumps by the time they got through firing. And, and the Marines had landed, and they, were, they made a, a beachhead. And, uh, but the, the worst thing about it, they had a reef that extended out about 100 yards, and they couldn't go up on the sand. Before they ever got to the sandy beach, they had to wade in waist-deep water, and they held their guns up. I, I watched them. They held the, their rifles up over their heads as they went in. And uh, to keep them dry. And, of course, the Japanese were shooting at them because uh, you can't very well fire a gun uh, at, at them until you get up to, to where you can get your feet on, on the sand, you know, and lay down and draw a bead on them. But they they've, uh, finally took the island, and it was, I think it was... Uh, a couple of days it took to uh, wipe all the Japanese out and capture a few of them. I saw several of our tanks, light tanks and so forth. They got up to the beach and the Japanese let them have it. And uh, the Marines were out sharpshooting, laying on the sand, trying to get those guns that had uh, fired at the tanks. And... The trouble is, it was very hard to uh, make it from the coral up to the beach. And that's, that's where a lot of men got killed, right there. And I was looking through the long glass at, at the beach. 
and, and saw it, and I couldn't do anything about it. We sent over three LSTs with full of Marines, and we got about two, uh, or about half the Marines came back. The others went to, uh, were wounded, and they sent them to uh, the hospital ship. We had laying off uh, about 10 miles away was a hospital ship, so they took them over there. Uh, all the wounded. I, there was several hundred, I understand, got wounded at uh, Tarawa. And it was very uh, bloody. But the worst thing was trying to land and establish a beachhead there. That was SF3 James Wire. Next time on Warriors in Their Own Words, Wire talks about serving on the USS Missouri during the invasion of Iwo Jima and the Battle of Okinawa. Thanks for listening to Warriors in Their Own Words. If you have any feedback, please email the team at kharbaugh at evergreenpodcasts.com. We're always looking to improve the show. And if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to rate and review. Warriors in Their Own Words is a production of Evergreen Podcasts in partnership with The Honor Project. Our producer is Declan Roars. Bridget Coyne is our production director, and Sean Rolhoffman is our audio engineer. Special thanks to Evergreen executive producers Joan Andrews, Michael DeAloya, and David Moss. I'm Ken Harbaugh, and this is Warriors in Their Own Words. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.